Hello, Lonsdale Community Church. This is the second Sunday that we've been online, both on Facebook and on YouTube. Facebook, where hundreds of people watched last week. YouTube, where no one watched, not a single person. So we're still figuring out all the technology, and uh, we are really grateful to still be able to connect. Technical difficulties. Okay, technical difficulties. All right, Lonzo Community Church, welcome uh, to a, another sermon that is not delivered in person. This is not the way that God intended church to go. It's not a benefit. I think online learning is fantastic, and I think we'll see more and more of that after this pandemic's forced us that way. Uh, but church is supposed to be a place where you're connected to people who love Jesus, who love you, who can spend time with you, who can ask how you're doing, who can hear how you're doing, and who can give you a hug. And uh, that's not going away. That's not something that we're moving on to a new model of church where we're only online. Uh, we don't think that's God's plan. And we're missing you right now. We're wishing that we could be in person. We're looking forward to being able to get back to that hopefully soon. Uh, if you have prayer requests, please send those uh, to Jimmy. Uh, send those to our Lonsdale Community Church Facebook page. Uh, send those to us. You can add me on Facebook, Clayton Wood on Facebook, um, if you don't already have um, that, and uh, just send me a message. We love you. We're praying for you. Um, there is a continual drumbeat of bad news, of negative news, of things that uh, create more anxiety, more frustration, uh, more loneliness and despair. Um, God designed us for love and community, and Satan wants us in shame and isolation. And we're going to uh, examine uh, how we resist that. We talked last week about taking every thought captive, how that is something that Christians are supposed to be doing, how it's incredibly challenging to do that, um, the old um, example is, I can't prevent what birds fly over my head, but I can prevent any of them from nesting in my hair. Um, what you are consuming right now has a lot to do with where you're setting your mind. If you're intentionally praying with thanksgiving, if you're making lists of things you're thankful for, you will feel better. If you're focusing on negative news and focusing on things that cause you anxiety, you're going to feel more anxious. So set your mind on things above. Take every thought captive. Give thanks. Give thanks. That's a continuation from last week. This week we'll be looking at three passages. The first passage is an incredibly familiar passage. It's a passage in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, word of the Lord, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may not eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, 
and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. This first familiar passage is highlighting the father of lies and his first lie to us as humans. And it's a lie that starts with a question. Did God really say? Did God really say? And then a statement that God didn't make. You can't eat any of the trees. You can't eat any of the food. Satan's sowing doubt about who God is. In our culture, sadly, an easy way that Satan wins is by convincing people that God didn't say anything at all. Did God really speak? Does God exist? Did God really say anything? The answer is yes. He spoke and his word is perfect without error. It's recorded for us in the Bible. We here in the United States have an abundance of the Bible, but we have too few people who are actually reading it. The Word of God has power. The Word of God has power to transform our minds, to transform our hearts, to shape us so that we're not squeezed into the mold and pattern of this world. If we want our minds renewed, we need to read, study, meditate on the Word. How long is this going to last? Two weeks? Three weeks? A month? Two months? I don't know. You don't know. We don't know because there's too much uncertainty right now. There's not enough data. I know a bunch of things that generally are true, though, based on the population of the United States. One of those things is that if people who don't have health conditions and excluding children fasted from food for a week, as a group, we'd all be doing better health-wise than we are today. Does the fast have to be from food, Clayton? Why do you have to pick on that? Well, it could be from other things. It could be from things that you know are producing anxiety and stress in your life. It could be from things that you realize that you've idolized. You may have already realized that some of your problems with idolatry have been brought to mind by the Holy Spirit because of what you're missing right now, what you lack the most in your life in terms of felt need. I hope that you're missing the fellowship of other believers I hope that you're missing the good things that God's called us to. I hope that you're missing the relational connection of being able to give a neighbor or a friend a hug or have people over. We know that we're missing a lot of our friends. We keep wondering and the questions asked, well, what about them if it was just a little group of, no, we're not doing it. We're big rule followers. We're not doing the play date and the other play date. It's not happening right now. But there are other things that you're probably missing as well. Some of those things aren't good for you. There are other temptations right now that are keener because of where we are. The mental health crisis that's happened, particularly here in Knoxville, has already been staggering. Last year, 83 people died by suicide in Knox County in over a 48-hour period for Thursday and Friday. Eight people took their lives in Knox County. That's awful. The father of lies is winning in those battles we need to be reaching out to people who feel like no one loves them, like no one cares about them, and let them know that that's not true. But this is taking a toll on all of us because it's a hard place to be. So, desire connection. 
fast from things that are wrong. Now, how does Satan sound when he talks to you? You're taking every thought captive. Okay, I'm going to grab that one. Is that a good thought? Is that one a good thought? Where am I? Is that a good thought? Is that a good thought? Satan is the father of lies. Oftentimes his lies are mixed or close to truth. The Bible is the truth. The Bible is the way that you test what you're thinking to see if it lines up with what God has said. It edits us. We do not edit it. And when the father of lies comes to you, it would be so convenient if every single time Satan wanted to do something in my heart, in my mind, he came and had me speak in a Satan voice. I don't know about you, cartoons, things like that growing up. I had a concept in my mind of a Satan voice just prior to any of the Batman movies and the Bane character. But it sounded somewhat like that. Clayton, this is Satan. I want you to destroy your life. I always thought that it was some kind of a very deep and angry and raspy voice. In my mind, that's how Satan talks. But in my experience, the way that Satan talks is much more like Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell doing a little thing where he's listening to himself. I hear me thinking something that seems like, that's a pretty good idea. No, no, that's not being selfish. That's just getting mine. No, 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 that's self-care. That's just taking care of me. No, that sounds, that sounds great. Yeah, I should do that. Oh, that's a great idea. That idiot, I can't stand that person. What a fool. I must destroy them. It's you speaking to yourself things that are lies. All he has to do is suggest one. And if you align yourself in agreement with it, it'll destroy you. I'm all alone. God doesn't love me. I can never be forgiven. These are the kind of lies that Satan uses to wound us again and again and again. And the way to take those captive and destroy them is by bringing them to the foot of the cross and understanding the truth of what the Bible says about who you are. There's a great book that I'm reading right now on Kindle called The Creaking at the Top of the Stairs. And it's a, a really sad book, a really hard book to read by a child abuse victim. And he's talking in that book very candidly about the fact that over and over he felt like God didn't exist and couldn't exist because of what he was going through that was so hard. But God does exist. God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And God is going to use all of the circumstances of your life, even this, for your good and his glory, if you'll obey him. Our next passage is in Luke. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, another very familiar passage. All of these are kind of greatest hits passages, but I hope as a result that they'll be easy for the Lord to speak to you because these are very familiar themes for us as believers. Luke chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Just a little piece there. We're going to talk about how Jesus responded and why. Satan uses the same things on us because it works. In our human frailty, we do stupid things over and over again. This first test from Satan was to try to put Jesus in a position of proving himself proving his power by poking him. If you are the Son of God, 
Oh, show me. I don't believe you. You're not the son of God. Guys, over and over again, Satan appeals to our ego to get us to do things that are stupid and wrong. Jesus was completely secure in his identity. He was the only begotten son of God, fully God, fully man, with all power, all wisdom, all knowledge, and all authority, embodied in a human life where he emptied himself and made himself like us. He didn't go, I'll show you, Satan. You don't think I'm God? Look at what I'll do. If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. This is the devil as heretic misusing scripture by pulling verses out of context. If that's familiar to you, it's because unfortunately people are walking in agreement with him today and doing the same thing. He thought that he could play the game. It is written also. Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So, three temptations of Christ, three responses. All the responses are to point to Scripture. What's the practical application of that? Guys, I've done a good bit of counseling. And for all of us, there's besetting sins, besetting temptations. There are lies that Satan is telling you again and again and again. Write those down. Take the time that you have now. This time, don't say that you don't have any time, unless you're a doctor who's working in uh, intubating people. That person may not have any time. Almost everyone, almost all of us, have more time than we usually do right now. Don't waste it. Use it to glorify God. Use it to learn more. Use it to connect to truths that can transform your life. Here's an attack from the enemy. Here's a thought. You're all alone. There is no God. He doesn't love you. He couldn't. He may love other people if he existed, but he couldn't love you. If God existed, then he would, whatever it is. Take the time to write those down. Think about the lies. Think about the lies you've been in agreement with. Write them down. Why write them down? Because then your homework is very simple. Examine the truth of what the Bible says. Examine the truth of what God has spoken. Did God really say anything? Yes. The answer to that is simple. He did. And it's as accessible to you as a Bible app in the App Store with free many languages, many translations. Try it out. Read it. Learn it. Meditate on it. Put it in your heart. It will be the best investment of your time that you could possibly do. So, 
three lies and three responses, and all of the responses are to quote Scripture. Satan's lies can't stand up against the truth. They can't. They don't, and they won't. So, in this time, our final passage is another passage that's very familiar, and I don't know if he will watch this sermon. I think it's possible. I'm sure if if uh, my mom can call me and say, your dad did watch because I pulled it up for him on the iPad. Um, but thank you, Dad, for having me memorize this chapter of the Bible when I was a kid. Uh, I was not an awesome basketball player. I really thought that uh, I needed Air Jordans. Uh, my dad disagreed with that. He thought that as a father, he needed to provide me with some shoes. I shouldn't be barefoot trying to play basketball. Uh, but the Converse shoes were significantly less expensive. And if I wanted Air Jordans, I needed to memorize a Bible passage. And this is a Bible passage I memorized as a kid who wasn't as good at basketball as I, as I felt I was. Um, but uh, it's a passage that has again and again and again been used by the Holy Spirit to minister to my heart. It's full of truth. Guys, if you're home and your kids are driving you crazy and they're reading age, everybody go read this passage. Read it and come back together and talk about it. It's an easy passage to do a Bible study on. It's deep, so there are parts that your kids are going to go, what is this talking about? What is this saying? It's also a passage that has a gazillion commentaries on it. And you may find a commentator that you love best. But I would ask you also as a parent to just rely on the Holy Spirit. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. And you have the ability to explain this passage. If you do have questions you want to ask us, we're happy to talk to you about it. The passage is Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're not going to read the whole passage. We're going to focus on the second half of the passage. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. We started by saying that Satan's the father of lies, that he wants to pull us away from the truth. We talked about in Jesus' temptations that he responds with truth in Scripture. And now, why Romans 8? Because these are truths that I want you to meditate on and I want you to apply to your life in this season of the coronavirus and for the rest of your life. These are truths that are eternal. This is what God is telling you about your life and it's what God is telling you about his love. Listen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's beginning in verse 18. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What do those sufferings look like? Imprisonment, martyrdom, beatings, starvation. It has been both an honor and a challenge to me emotionally to talk to some of our families in Lonsdale who are going through this period in a very different way, processing coronavirus and quarantine and our economy in a very different way than most of us. Almost all of my friends in Lonsdale who are from Guatemala are shorter than their kids. And there's a reason for that. The reason is that Mayans in Guatemala who live in the mountains were denied the food that was given to uh, the people who had more money, who lived in richer areas. So they had some food, but they didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough of the right food. And as a result of malnutrition, they're not as big as their kids are. 
their kids are growing up with great food and their kids are growing up as bigger and taller than they are. Why do I bring that up? Because comparing our present sufferings, as I call and talk to people, I have friends who own businesses that are crumbling. I have friends who are exposed through their work because they're in the medical profession to a much higher level of risk than we are who are not in the medical profession. I have friends who saw church as literally the only outlet they had to be around friends, and now that's taken from them and they don't know what to do. But as I talk to Guatemalan families, many of them have been through a civil war where they saw months where food scarcity meant that they were hungry most days. This is not the hardest thing they've been through. It's not in the top 10 hardest things they've been through. In that sense, comparing our present sufferings is helpful for me. It gives me a different perspective. It gives me a healthier perspective. Free little tangent here in marriage counseling. If you're married and you find it hard to say, I was wrong and my spouse was right, you have a couple of weeks of real close quarters to work on that. Your marriage will be a lot better if you get to a place where you can say that. Last night, I left some things out. I had worked a lot outside in the yard, and I left some things out in our driveway. My wife said I should put them up because it was going to storm, and I said, I'll get them early in the morning. Well, I was wrong, and she was right. And as I was awakened by loud lightning strikes, very loud lightning strikes, I jumped out of bed, and I ran out. And literally, guys, I was in the most intense rain that I've ever been in in my entire life. I was not struck by lightning. This isn't a miracle story, uh, but there was lightning all around me that felt constant. While I was outside for a few minutes, there were probably 15 to 20 lightning strikes. And the rain was so torrential that it filled my shoes within a few minutes. When I came inside, I was more grateful than I had been before I went out for the structure that we have, for the roof over our heads. The sufferings that we have right now, my internet is throttled, are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. The sufferings that some of you have right now are intense and awful, and you need to rely on stories like Horatio Spafford, whose entire family died before he wrote, It Is Well With My Soul. You need to rely on stories of people who have been faithful to God through incredibly challenging things. But for most of us, comparing our suffering is helpful because it enables us to realize how truly blessed we are. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we await eagerly our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we will wait for it with patience. 
the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Someone I love dearly uh, just died in the last few days and is in heaven now. And she has received her new body. This is a really challenging time to have death, a really challenging time to have funerals because we can't really have them in the normal way, a challenging time to express condolences, a challenging time to grieve. But I know that right now my Aunt Mary Ann is reveling in glory and is in a new body and is much happier and more joyful and more complete, more whole than any of us can be here on earth. And that fills me with joy in the midst of sadness, knowing that we'll miss her and we'll never see her again in this part of our lives. We also know, if we know Jesus, that I'm going to be with her for eternity. And that this brokenness, this sin, these broken bodies, this pain, this suffering that we go through now is not the whole story. We will be made like Jesus. And we will be with him forever because of what he did and dying on the cross to pay for our sins. And there's nothing more glorious than that. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 28 is one of those verses that's so important to understand in context. So important to understand in context. All things work together for the good of those who pray to prayer, of those who got the right bumper sticker on the back of their car. It's not what it says. It's not what it means. All things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Brothers and sisters, if you are suffering for Christ and you are walking in obedience, count it all joy. If you are suffering because you've done some sinful and stupid things, repent. Repent. Quit suffering because of those decisions moving forward. You can't change the past, but you absolutely, with the help of God, can change the future. All things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. When we're following God's plan, he genuinely does cause everything to work together for his good. When we're doing whatever we want, we often screw things up, walk in disobedience, and take a step off the path he laid for us and into a bear trap. And when that happens, we don't go, oh, I don't even know what this bear trap is all about, God, but I guess it's all according to causing for my good. It's not the way it works. That's a natural consequence of sin. It's painful. It's frustrating. It hurts. Stop it. Stop doing that. Don't go off the path. Obey him. Follow him. Trust him. He loves you. And his plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. I'm a Calvinist. And that's all I'll say on that verse. I'm not going deeper there today. It's not the focus. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
those two verses can have their own sermon. It's not today. What then shall we say to these things? I would encourage you guys. I would encourage you with your families. Meditate on this passage. Spend time on this. Take joy from this. Take encouragement from this. Apply this to your heart and your life and your mind as a soothing balm in a time when we feel sad and anxious and frustrated and overwhelmed. Listen to these words from Scripture, this truth that you can hold on to. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That image has been so powerful to me and so important to me. And I confess that I have um, said, and it's the funny words, I got it from Dad. Dad, I love you. It's just a funny little phrase. It's an old-fashioned phrase. I covet your prayers. I covet your prayers. Oh, I covet this wrong. Uh, I covet your prayers. Guys, you know who I really want to pray for the spiritual warfare that happens in Lonsdale? If you're watching this, I want you to pray. For sure, I want you to pray that people will come to know Jesus. I want you to pray that people who are stuck at home, who have problems with substance abuse, won't kill themselves with an overdose when they get their check. I want you to pray that child abuse won't happen. I want you to pray that people won't get drunk. The group that I always seek out for prayer are the retired missionaries. Uh, and also, I, I don't know, is this reverse sexism? Well, little old ladies, even more so than little old men. And it's because of the incredible depth of godliness that I see in them. When I talk to them, and I know that they've been faithfully on their knees for decades, that they've been reading the Bible, that they've been asking God to instruct them, that they have so much wisdom, so much knowledge, and that they, when they say, I'm praying for you, actually are praying for me in a way that I can feel. It's beautiful, it's powerful, it's important, but it pales in comparison. Listen again to what's said here. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Today, you're not alone. Today, you're not in a place where you are forgotten. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have a, a business that you think you're going to have to let people go. Some of you feel for the first time the sting of failure in your life. And you feel like, where is God in this? Well, if you know Jesus, if you've been saved, if you've been rescued and redeemed, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God the Father, and he's praying for you. He's praying for you right now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now, guys, again, not worth comparing. Think about these things and then compare. Please compare. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine because they might not have your favorite food right now in the stores. But none of us know in America today 
from these circumstances what famine is. None of us know what people may be going through soon in East Africa because of locusts. None of us know food insecurity where there is nothing to eat and it's not coming on the next 18-wheeler. Nakedness. Nakedness is a kind of physical poverty where you don't have clothes to cover your body. Danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. America is still grappling with mortality just as a fact. Mortality. There were this many deaths. There were this many deaths. There were this many deaths. Interestingly, I saw data today. There are less deaths in other categories. It looks like because of quarantine, because of people staying in, there's not just less, less deaths from car wrecks. In certain age categories, like 18 to 30 right now, we have more uh, less deaths overall. This is being written to people who were being slaughtered, killed because of Christ. And they weren't separated from the love of God. They weren't separated from the love of God because they were being killed. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. We are so thankful that nothing can separate us from your love. God, help us to meditate on that truth. Help us to know in this time, as we question, why is this happening? Why is that happening? To not question your love. To know that we can't be separated from it. To know that we've been adopted into your family. That I am who you say I am. Not who anyone else says. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, his perfect life, his resurrection, I have a new life in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. But I pray that we will have an urgency to share with those around us who may for the first time be accepting that mortality is real, that they will die. Help us to let them know the rest of that story, that they will die and that they will face judgment, that there is a life eternal for all of us, that you've given us all an eternal soul, and that what happens to us after we die matters a great deal. But because the good gift of the gospel what it means we can share with everyone around us your great love be with us as we do that assure us of it now through the power of your holy spirit help us not just in our head but in our heart to know with a certainty how much you love us and we'll be careful to give you all the praise in jesus name amen if you don't know Jesus, reach out to us. There's nothing we'd rather do than share about him with you. If you do know Jesus, meditate on the truths of God's word. Spend time with your family doing that. And take joy in the truth of the gospel. We love you. Good night.